Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory podcast. I I mean, Pie Factory sounds kind of, makes me want pie, actually. So, um, I guess this is um, episode two of uh, the Pie Factory podcast, um, and you are all listening right now. Duh. So, this is Sean, and I guess the other guy is... um, uh, who am I? Who are you? Who, who? Oh, I'm, my name is Jim. Or am I the real Slim Shady? You don't know. Witty, place witty remark here. Generic witty comment here. So um, hopefully by now we've had our sound issues. Uh, we, uh, th- th- This is our, well, kind of our third episode, even though it's episode two. And I have an explanation for that. You know, we've gotten thousands upon thousands of emails from people saying, wait a minute, you said this is episode one, but yet you got two episodes up in, this, in, in the iTunes store? What gives? Well, here's the thing. We had to start the first one at episode zero because when we did our initial round at testing, we realized that the numbers reset after 255, and if we don't have an episode zero here, then what happens is in the left side of the speakers, you hear the podcast as it's supposed to exist, but on the right side, you hear a whole bunch of things just scrambled up and you can't get past that particular podcast and you're stuck listening to it until you turn your computer off. I just thought it was because we offered extra value. We offered zero value. That's why we Okay, well then I guess it's like back in the day with the pay movie channels that you used to have over the air where late at night they would show the dirty movies and as a kid you were trying to watch the movie between the the wavy lines, something like that. And there was always that one brief moment where you actually saw a complete picture for like two and a half seconds in a weird color. So it's like, hey! Uh, uh, <laughs> uh Beavis, I think I saw a butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, I can't do that. That's uh, we we can't do those. Those are out of uh, out outdated yeah, impersonations. Whatever. Yeah. Wait, no, I couldn't so, do this wait one, a though. minute. Considering what the newest game we've talked about <laughs> so far is what, from 1983? Yet Beavis and Butthead is That's outdated. a good point. So, yeah. That is a good point. And uh, today we're going to actually be talking about a bit of an older game. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't have any, like, impersonations from back then. Like, oh, I don't know, Bob Newhart or Dr. Johnny Fever. How about this one? What you talking about, Willis? God, my wife hates that. <laughs> oh, what you talking about, Willis? Uh, I remember back in the days when that guy was selling aluminum siding here in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. An aluminum siding commercial turned Gary Coleman into a mega superstar who pretty much went back to selling aluminum siding. Well, not technically. He was a he was a security officer at a mall, but still. Now, something we did last week, yes. you, you, you know, we talked about, hey, is there any arcade news? And we both had exciting arcade news last week. Um, and so I figured, oh, yeah. hey, why not, why not talk about that again this week? Um, now, this isn't so much exciting as it is just a, something that we should all be concerned about here. I don't know if you saw this, Jim, but uh, at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic, uh, somebody had spilled a beer on one of the uh, one of the cabinets that uh, Doc Mac brought over from uh, Galloping Ghost. And it shorted Uh-oh. out the game. And I don't remember what game it was, but it was a pretty, it was a significantly rare one, if I'm not mistaken. But oh, anyway, he went to yikes. work on it, and he was actually able to get it back up and running with, by the grace of something. I don't know what. 
So he, he posted a big long warning on it on uh, Galloping Ghost Facebook page. I think uh, Underground Retrocade reiterated that warning, and in fact, I do know that at least Underground Retrocade, where they do sell drink, I think I'm pretty sure uh, uh, Galloping Ghost sells them too. But they sell drinks up uh, up at the front counter. They're now saying, yeah. please do not take these by the machines. So yeah, everybody, yeah, please do well, not drink at <laughs> when you're playing these video games. No matter how careful you think you are, anything can go wrong. Thinking about it, back in the day, um, the only places I saw um, signs around video games saying not to bring food or drink was actually at the arcades, bowling alleys, and bars. I didn't care. You can bring the drinks there all you want. I remember. Well, you know what? I got an arcade story for a bar, but if we ever get to that game, the game that has to do with, uh, I'll probably get to it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you don't ever see that in like bars. They just don't care. As long as, as, long as the, the the coin door opens up and they have tons of coins in there, yeah. No big deal. Yeah, and considering a very common thing nowadays is what they call the barcade or the beercade, we have numerous of those in uh-huh. Chicago. Of course, I think those kind of places, though, the, the video games are kind of an afterthought. They, they care more about whether you're going to keep drinking. I don't know. I've only been to one of these places. I would love to mention who they are and tell and just say how terrible they were, but I don't know <laughs> if I should. I'll tell you this much. It was not Logan Arcade. That's like Logan Hardware. They have a separate beercade now. Logan, oh, really? Yeah. There's. They still have. Well, what happened was about two years ago, uh, Logan Hardware moved a, about a block down the street into a new building, and mm-hmm. after a while, their original location turned into a beercade. So now they have a arcade where you can go drink and they also have the original logan hardware which is the record store where if you buy Ah. something they let you into the arcade museum as it were which is another thing if anybody saw my post on arcade.com an observation that i've made is that you don't really seem to see dedicated arcades in major cities they're all in the suburbs in the big cities you have the barcades and you have what Logan, Hard- what Logan Hardware calls the Arcade Museum. So I was like, right. why is that the case? Is there some kind of weird gaming laws in a, in a lot of these major cities? Like, Denver has the one up, but that's that's a beercade. Um, I remember hearing Carrington Vanston constantly talk about how they don't have arcades in Toronto. Uh, there are no real right. arcades in Chicago. I think the only ones in New York City are beercades. But if you step out into the uh-huh. suburbs, you can go to some really cool places practically huh. these locations that's true um up in dundee you've got underground retrocade there was another one up in dundee uh, are they still there or are they gone they're called um no limit they actually closed down for a while they were in algonquin and i think they moved okay i think they moved over to east dundee not far from uh, underground retrocade actually oh interesting yeah well it looks like the uh, chicago area is going to become king of the uh, video games again um, Especially since I think it, Galloping Ghost now even has more games than Fun Spot. I think. You know, it's amazing. At one time back in the day, the Chicago area was pretty much the hub of video games. I mean, yeah, you had California, but here in Chicago, you had Bailey Midway. Um, Taito had their world headquarters here. Yep. Or not their world, their uh, North American headquarters. Konami had their uh, North American headquarters up over in... Um, uh, I can't remember the name of the town. It's near O'Hare Airport. I actually applied for a job there as a game counselor back in 1987. Um, and, um, yeah, it was Chicago was like the hub, especially uh, Stern was here. Stern is still here, actually. And, um, yeah, we had all the big ones out here. Williams. Williams, Williams was another Chicago one. Williams is still here. Those of you who know where Hot Dogs used to be, Williams is across the street from Hot Dogs' location. They pretty much do just... 
slot machines and stuff now, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Although I think they may still do some programming for consoles, though. I'll have to, I, I'd have to double check that, but it's really sad the state of the uh, of the arcade companies. But yeah, Chicago was like the hub. Um, California had their share, and uh, you know, thanks to the Nintendo, Seattle area had their share. But uh, when it comes to pure arcade stuff. It was Chicago, and Stern's still here. Are they Stern still making pinball machines? Uh, all I know is is that doing a quick Google of Stern pinball, they've got a Walking Dead pinball. So, well, there's your answer, Fishbulb. There you go. We also had Gottlieb. I forgot about them. The Cuban Gottlieb. People. Oh wow, they were Chicago also. And, you know, and I want to think Data East had their offices in Chicago as well. Data East? I think so. Let me double check that. How is Chicago East? Well, then again, Evanston has Northwestern University. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Well, technically, Illinois was part of the Northwest Territories of the United States at one time. Oh, nope, they were headquartered in San Jose. Never mind. Well, they were because they're not... And I, uh, they're not a thing anymore. So should we start talking about games or something? Uh, er, uh, hmm. I got the perfect game. Yeah. Perfect game to talk about. Zookeeper. Zookeeper. Oh, wow. Hmm. Where do we... The object of Zookeeper was the, there were three different screens. The main screen is you had to build the wall around the uh, the cage where all sorts of animals are, and the object is to grab a uh, zookeeper's net, I guess. It looks more like a butterfly net. The thing is, is that they got like lions in zookeeper. And I don't know if anyone's ever tried to uh, catch a lion with a net, but that's not an easy task. I'm just throwing that out there. I've tried that several times uh, last night when I was dreaming. But you got to build the walls around the cage and all there's all sorts of animals in there and they're like chipping away at the wall. And then if they get out, you have to grab this net and it tosses them back into the middle. And all the time you're moving around the perimeter of the zoo, you're building building walls. The first time around, I believe it, the, the zoo has uh, three bricks for walls. No, I'm, no, 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 I'm sorry, it has two bricks. Uh, this next screen has one. And then you come to an alternate screen. It's a totally different style of gameplay for this thing, where you've got these platforms that are moving back and forth, like left to right, and you got to jump all the way to the top to save your girlfriend. All the while, there's a monkey up there throwing coconuts down at you, and uh, the main platform at the bottom moves slowly off to the right, and once it's gone, you can't land it down there again. And so the object is to grab as many of the treats as you can, like ice cream, sundaes, and stuff like that, and then, you know, save your girlfriend. Then you go back to the gameplay for a couple of screens. Then you get back to that screen again with the the moving platforms. And then somewhere in the mix, I can't remember where because I couldn't get to it this time, there's a screen where you have to jump over a bunch of the animals and get up to an escalator, go to another platform, and then when you get all the way to the top, you can win a free life. And I don't recall, but I think if you lose a life on that screen, you actually lose it in the game as well. So you'll either be up one life or uh, down, or, or how is that? How would that work? I don't remember. I think you can lose your life on that screen at the you, very least. You, yeah, you can absolutely lose your life on that. I found that out the hard way. Which that kind of sucks. I mean, you're, you're taunted with this free life that you absolutely have to get. You think it's a bonus life, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's not. It's a life. You, you have to get to that. Um, otherwise, you can lose all of your lives on that screen, and that is not an easy screen. And that's um, a departure from the main gameplay. That um, Zookeeper's always been one of my favorite games. I've absolutely loved that one. 
Uh, I can't remember the very first time I ever played it, but the music and the sound effects are just amazing. And uh, it was, I remember it being insanely popular. Um, I do recall back in the day in the Atari 2600 catalogs, they were teasing the game that it was coming soon. A prototype had never been, has never been found. However, they found the sound effects code for the 2600 version, and they also found an animation of the sprites for the 2600 version of the game, and the sound effects were dang close to the arcade, and the uh, the, the sprites were extremely close to the arcade as well, and it looks like the prototype, the, the completed prototype's got to be out there. If they've got the sprites and all the sounds, the complete prototype's got to be out there. It's just a matter of finding it. I hope it gets found, because that has got to be an amazing translation of the game that's that's the only thing i can think of at this point but so what say ye well what say me well first of all is there somewhere somebody could uh could go to to see these uh, uh little bits and pieces of the 2600 version well they posted the rom for the code up on atari age and then the uh the sprite animation is up on youtube and i'm sure that those will be in the show notes now, going back to the prior question, what say ye? Well, ye is going to be yeah. uh, I this time, actually. So, um, um, I remember the first time I played this. I mean, I had seen Zookeeper several times on Starcade, just like that's where I first are, saw it myself. Yeah, I, I was like, that's a cool looking game, and I played it actually at Showbiz Pizza Place in Westmont. Long story as to how I ended up there, but it doesn't really matter right now. But it was one of those games where my quarter lasted about 10 seconds, but I was <laughs> not upset. I had a great time with those 10 seconds. I was like, this is a really cool game. It seems like it, it's to me with the with the uh, with Zookeeper, it never seems like that the any of the deaths were were just cheap shots in that game because they pretty much gave you everything that you needed to to be good in that game. Um I especially like the touch that when you jump over, yes, there is a jump button, I forgot to mention that, when you jump over the uh, the animals or what have you, you can change direction in mid-air so that you could always time your landing. So that was always a nice thing because that is, it, it is one of those frantic action games, kind of frantic, almost in a Robotron kind of way. Yeah, and the other thing about jumping is that Zeke the Zookeeper, he jumps pretty freaking far. Oh yeah, he does. And something that, you could that, keep your Mario. <laughs> Zeke laughs at Mario. Mario Zeke. was a Mario was is not fit to lick Zeke's boots. You of want course, some controversy? Did that since he's a zookeeper, that'd be probably kind of gross, but still. You want some controversy? Let's go for some controversy. Tell me that Zeke is not Mario. He looks like the 2600 version of Mario from uh, the 2600 Mario Brothers conversion. He looks like any any Mario. He's got the he's no, got the No, he doesn't look like any Mario. He looks closest to the 2600 version of Mario on Mario Brothers, not on Donkey Kong. They could be related. Oh, okay. They could be cousins. They're second cousins yeah. once removed. And That's think what it about is. this. What is happening in that second different screen you have? Gee, you control a guy in it you control a guy who's wearing suspenders red and blue so and you can you're go trying up to and get the monkey at the top of the screen who's yeah. where, where there's some kind of a primate throwing stuff at him gee i wasn't even thinking about from? that was and not gee, even thinking about that but that's a good point and he gets points for jumping over things that is true but the, uh, but there's no ladders or hammers there are no ladders so they have escalators nope, instead nope. uh that's the other screen yeah 
Yeah, the screen that I think we both suck at. Yeah, I've gotten past it a few times, but it is not an easy screen. You yeah. really got to time your jumps on that one because the, they, the, the way that the animals keep coming out of the, uh, the cages. To me, if, it's been a while since I've seen that screen, but to me, it seems like there was no like rhyme or reason as to how they came out, like no pattern. And what was really crazy is I found that if you land on top of the cage, you kind of get electrocuted or something and bounce back. And you no might, kidding. No kidding at all. And, of course, my first thought was, this is Keystone Capers. Oh, geez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, hey, I, I can see exactly where so you're talking about. Zookeeper is Donkey Kong. It, oh, and you know what the girlfriend's name is in this? What's that? Zelda. Where Uh-oh. did they get that name from? Ooh, controversy. <laughs> Where did Nintendo get the name Zelda from? Well, they've probably figured, well, they stole from us, we're stealing from them. It kind of makes you wonder how much, you know, it's documented in the recording industry how musicians, like, have heard music and uh, from other musicians and then kind of appropriated it for their own personal... I don't know, usage. Uh, the George Harrison, he's so fine, slash my sweet lord case comes to mind. But um, you never think about that in other industries like video games. You, you kind of wonder if Nintendo and Taito were like stealing ideas and concepts off of each other and then why the heck they didn't sue each other over it. I'm wondering if maybe Zookeeper was enough of a threat in the first place. There were a lot of potential lawsuits in the video game world that really could have easily happened that didn't this, this is true be one of them this is very true never re- ever really thought about the uh, the connection with nintendo on this or you know we're probably just seeing things that aren't there but things that make you go hmm yeah. and another thing that this game is i mean i i really don't know which came first but something that i couldn't get past when i was playing zookeeper was oink on the 2600 by activision in kind of a roundabout way, I was like, I was like, this is pretty. This is pretty much reminds me of Oink. I like. Both I don't games see it other much. than the other than the blank, uh, other than the brick wall, other than the brick wall. I don't really, I don't really see it. Oink was a fun game. That get, didn't get really good reviews, but I always liked Oink. I thought that was just a nice, Oink. fun. Still do. That was a nice, fun uh, game that could get hard real fast. Even just on your first life, it could get real hard real oh, fast. Yeah. But um, I don't see the connection there, other than, like I said, the brick wall. Uh, the only, You know what Zookeeper is to me? It's almost kind of like a reverse breakout, in a way, uh, where hmm. the other guys are breaking the wall down, and you got to build it back up. Of course, you know what? That's the same play mechanics of, as Oink. Yeah. So maybe it is kind of like Oink, if you think about it that way. But it is basically it is kind of like a reverse breakout where you got to build the wall before the other person destroys it and then i was thinking about all the all the items you can grab like you know you have ice cream you have watermelon and i was Beer. thinking oh boy four leaf fight. clovers so yeah, yeah and then I, I, I would but then i wouldn't go i wouldn't go there no and, and and you can't go there because you know zookeeper came out in 1982 food fight came out in 1983 so obviously it's atari that stole from taito Period. The plot gets. I said period. Thinker. Well. So yeah, I would make a comment about that, but I would, I would make a comment about that, but it wouldn't be family friendly. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, didn't we say? Didn't we once say that we would be covering adult arcade games um, should the opportunity arrive? Yeah. uh, It's I at some point. Uh, you thought it arrive at some point down the line, I think, because nobody talks about these games, yet there were some uh, adult-themed video games out there, and um, yeah, I think we should talk about them, just for completeness' sake, because I don't think any other podcast uh, up to talking about uh, 
arcade games is going to even mention these things. Ferg on the 2600 game by game, I think, is uh, hesitant to even talk about the adult 2600 games. Yeah, I mean, this is a heck of a fun game. I And I was thrilled to find out the Galloping Ghost recently acquired it. Oh, nice. Zookeeper is kind of like the perfect game in a way. Like I said, it's got... it's in a uh, class with Robotron with the frantic action, the awesome sound effects, and just tons of stuff going on all the time. Uh, And the only problem I have with Zookeeper is the controls sometimes when you're like, you're moving all the way to the corner. Sometimes you you know, you're hitting down and it doesn't seem like that the, uh, the controller registers correctly all the time. So you got to kind of give it, give it like a little bit of a nudge to get it going in the down direction. That might just be my the controller I'm playing with it, but that does seem to be an issue from time to time with me. Yeah, I w- when I played this in Mame, I I was just using the keyboard. I mean, yeah, I ha- I could I could rig up a controller. I have Atari I have Atari controllers. I have the Uber Arcade controller, both made specifically for Atari stuff. But I have the USB converter. But no, I, I was just too lazy, so I, I didn't really have much problem with it with the keyboard control. I actually went out and bought a uh, Xbox controller for my PC, just on a whim, thinking, hmm, Microsoft Windows, Microsoft Game Controller for their console. I bet it'll work without drivers. Lo and behold, it works without drivers, so I got myself a good cheap dual joystick controller here. I specifically got it to play stuff like Robotron and Smash TV and all that, but uh, total carnage. just fine. I love it! I'll buy that for a dollar. I totally agree with your your uh, your take on Zookeeper. It it got it has all kinds of you know manic action. Sound effects are great. Gameplay is great. And something it's that it's colorful too. Very. And something that I really love about Zookeeper is it's surprisingly easy to score a lot of points. My high score when playing this so far has been um, one hundred sixty four thousand four hundred and eighty, which I didn't check the. Uh, the record the world records yet but i'm sure that uh that's a drop in the bucket compared to what a lot of people have gotten on this thing but that's a six digit score how many games can you say you rack up a six digit score in five minutes yeah no you really can't because everything else is pretty much uh limited and it's uh, pretty much every other game is kind of is limited in its scoring possibilities just due to the layout of the game and um this one, they uh, they pretty much taunt you with with all sorts of bonus points and everything um, because of the way that they, you know... The, the one thing we forgot to mention about Zookeeper is, is that there's a timer at the top of the screen, and it slowly goes down, and once it reaches end, then you move on to the next level. Now, along the timer bar, you'll have stuff like your, uh, your bonus things are like a, a four-leaf clover, a thing of beer, or sometimes you'll get the net. And with the net, as we mentioned before, you can go around and capture the animals and toss them back in. And they appear at different spots all over the uh, the screen. And so not only are you trying to watch out for the, um, the animals and build the wall, but you're also looking for these bonuses, especially that net, which will net you. <laughs> you see what I did there? I see Some really, really, really big points later on, especially when you get to the lion levels. The lions are worth 30,000 points a pop. 
Good luck keeping them in, though. I could not keep any of those things inside the zoo at all, even after the net, they escaped right away. I've been so able I've, to do it. The, uh, the, the, th the thing is, is that to keep them actually in the main area of the zoo, you don't actually have to have a wall. If they're in the area where the wall would normally be at the end of a level, you still get points for it, whether you have wall there or not, which I like that because that's not uh, you're not getting cheated out of points there. Yeah, because they're still within the confines of the property. Exactly. I really need to get out to an arcade to uh, to play uh, Zookeeper on the actual hardware again, because that is a great game. It would have to be Galloping Ghost, and unless you want to go to uh, Goodlitzville, Tennessee, where they have it at the Game Galaxy at Rivergate Mall. Game Galaxy Rivergate. Game. Ooh, an arcade in a mall. There's a rare. I know. I know. Just Actually, like they the do have days. an arcade. Last I heard, they still have an arcade in the Louis Joliet Mall over in really? Joliet, over by the Sears. Uh, it's called Time Out or something. Uh, oh. The only thing is, is that that's mostly ticket games. Uh, they have a few arcade games, but it's like late '90s, early 2000s games, which I really don't really care much about. I'm not even really too hyped up about this new Star Wars Pods uh, arcade game. You seen this thing? No. Yeah, it's Star Wars, except you sit in the pod. I'll take the old Atari environmental vector graphic game any day, but I digress. And um, Do you have anything? I have uh, I have a lot of things. Are you kidding me? Including uh, the uh -oh. actual world records for Zookeeper. And yeah, I was absolutely right. My 164,000 high score is pretty laughable compared to, say, what Brian Wagner scored in MAME about three years ago. And Richie what did Knuckles he score? He scored at Richie Knuckles Arcade, actually, in Flemington, New Jersey. In my eight years living in New Jersey, I'd never been to Flemington, but uh, he scored eight Hold on, million. hold on, hold on. Flemington. <laughs> there we go. There's your Flemington for you. That sounds about right. And he scored... <laughs> well, it was New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, Brian Wagner, or does he pronounce it Wagner, he scored 8,518,900 points at Richie Knuckles. Now, are you sitting down? Yes, you are, everybody. You are sitting down. Those of you who, like me, are listening in mass transit, sit down, shove the pregnant lady out of a seat so you can sit down. On an actual zookeeper game, a gentleman uh -huh. named Sean Cram, except he spells his first name incorrectly, back in 2004 at Fun Spot, scored 35,732,870. See, Holy I got shnikes. I have a lot of practice I got to do. The highest I ever have ever scored in a game without cheating would have to be... Well, I was going to say Chopper Command on the Atari 2600, which would be... Uh, I actually ended the game at a million points, but I think I've gotten over a million several times on Robotron. But not much more than that. I don't think I've ever had a seven-digit score in an arcade game, ever. And if my MAME score, that I my high, high score on MAME were to be registered with Orcade.com right now, I would be worldwide in 28th place 29th place actually no 28th place oh wow hey, that's still nothing to sneeze at many famous chicago baseball teams end up at 28th place uh, but i digress <clears throat> so what else have you got for zookeeper just some advice just jump like crazy like don't dodge the animals jump over them and you get points for jumping over one and the more animals you jump over in one leap 
the it seems that it almost gets exponential how many points you're awarded. It doesn't hurt that you have a really long jump, so getting a lot of those points is actually a little, a little easier than you think. One game you're playing, you might end. You might uh, go into the uh, the platform screen with sixteen thousand points. Another game, you may be well into the twenty thousands at that point. It's all about jumping over the animals, especially because some. And I didn't even realize this until I was in, in the middle of playing this last night. You score nothing for building a wall. Your only points really? come from... Yeah, there's no score at all. Your only points come from grabbing the prizes, jumping over animals, and the number of animals you have left in the zoo at the end of the level. Interesting. I never really noticed that, but now that I think about it, I never really did notice the, uh, the score increasing when you build the wall. Something that I like about the platform screen is that by landing on a platform, you get a certain amount of points. It's not a heck of a lot, but it's mm -hmm. something. And the higher up the platform, the more points you get. And every time you land on a different platform, you get points. Hmm. So you, you jump up one platform, you get, uh, I think, 80 points in the first one. You jump back down, you get 40. You jump back up, you get 80, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So every time you land on a different level, whether it's up or down, you get points. There's a, I, I don't remember if this is the actual term, but uh, my, f my friend Duke, and if he's listening, I know he's going to correct me, told me about uh, this term. I think it's called point pressing or point pushing, which is basically where you're just standing there like doing everything you can to accumulate as many points as possible. Kind of like that jumping trick I talked about in the, on the uh, rivet level of Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, right. Yeah. Just don't do that on the platform stage in Zookeeper, because what I've noticed is that mm -hmm. the longer you're on that screen, the more trouble the coconuts become. The coconuts do not disappear. They keep bouncing around. The longer you stay yeah, on the screen, and the more they accumulate. And he, that monkey can let four of them go at one time, and then they're all hanging around the top platform that you have to get to, making it impossible to save your girlfriend. So what's the downside? Hmm... Uh, I guess I'll get back to you on that one. So, do you have anything further to add about uh, Zook Eeper? Zook Eeper? Uh, no, not really. Um, other than the fact that I was uh, disappointed that um, that uh, Ben Stiller wasn't in the game because I think he would have. Oh, wait a minute, that's Zoolander. Ugh, never mind. Uh, no, nothing more to add really... to Zookeeper. And, you know, I would, something I would never wish upon, because I know that Bob DeCrescenzo is a very busy guy, and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time. I certainly hope he doesn't waste his time creating an Atari 7800 port of Zookeeper. That would be terrible, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, no, that would, that would be awful. Gosh, you can... <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we transparent here, uh... Yeah, <laughs> not like not like we didn't. Uh, we forgot the uh, the closing uh, sarcasm tag. So, um, so I think we should uh, turn our attention to the icy wastelands of Siberia for our next uh, our next amazing feature. And I'm probably going to be doing a lot of talking on this one because you couldn't get it working. And uh, a lot of people don't remember this, but Atari actually had a laser disc video game out back during the laser video disc video game craze. Firefox, based on the Clint Eastwood movie of the same name. And it's uh, filmed with, it basically it's just the backgrounds uh, from the flight scenes of the movie. There's no scenes of Clint Eastwood in the film. And um, the cabinet that it uses has the 
the same... It, I'm guessing the Pokey sound chip, because it's got the same type of sound that the Star Wars arcade machine had. And there, there is some voice in there, it's supposed to be Clint Eastwood, but it really sounds nothing like him. Boy, is this the machine. But, it's, like I said, it's based on the original movie, and what it is is that you're piloting the Firefox trying to get it out of Russia. You put your tokens in, and uh, one thing we don't really talk about too much, we haven't mentioned too much about, is the uh, the service mode on some of these uh, some of these games. Uh, if we ever get to uh, the game Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I love that game, but I'm going to rip the service mode a new one because I found something in there which I thought was totally, absolutely reprehensible to put in a video game, but we'll get to that in the future. But with this one, I noticed that when you select the... Uh, when you change the coinage, it will never go less than 50 cents a game. Never go less than two tokens, which I thought was interesting. Firefox. Yes, you're piloting the Firefox, getting it out of the Soviet Union. At the beginning, you've got four different routes you can do. You can do the easy route, which is uh, 3,000 kilometers, the medium route, which is 6,000 kilometers, the hard route, which is 9,000, or you can do an unlimited journey, a trip that never ends. So um, you put your tokens in, and uh, you'll select your level, and then you'll select your mission. Uh, the easy, hard, medium, the easy, medium, hard, you know, unlimited. When you first get behind your plane, the first thing you're going to see is it's going to say, shoot the radars to avoid detection. And you don't see an actual radar. Uh, what you'll see is you'll see, like, uh, red circles coming up on the screen to represent the radar. You just got to shoot those down. If you can get through one, uh, one segment having not been detected by the radar after successfully shooting all the radars, you'll get, uh, you'll get some bonus points. And of course, I'm not recalling what the bonus points are at this point. Then, should you actually get detected by the radar, then the airplanes, the, uh, the enemy firefoxes, or whatever they call them, will start shooting missiles and bullets and stuff back at you. One thing about this game that I I first saw this actually at the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall, and I played the hell out of it. I loved it. In the video game magazines, the game got mediocre reviews, uh, sadly, but they said um, the game was a technical achievement. Too bad it wasn't more fun to play, which I totally disagree. I love this game with a passion, and I am s I am so happy that I got it running on MAME on my laptop, now, the only reason it's not running on my desktop is because the uh, LaserDisc video file, the CHD file, is 11 gigabytes, and uh, that's going to take you some time. I might actually have a uh, flash drive here with that much space on it. I'll have to check. But By the um, way, before you do that, just a heads up, those flash drives, a lot of times they won't handle a file that big. That's a good point. Um, I might just have to throw it up on my Google Drive, which actually had some problem with because you, you do have a limit on that as well but i'm such a uh, technical pack rat i have a ton of old hard drives laying around when i copied it from my laptop to my desktop and vice versa i just threw it on one of those as a go-between oh there you go but to continue on one other thing with firefox i was saying i totally forgot about this when i uh and I must not have hit upon this when I first played it the the the, uh, the first several times, is is that even though the foreground is all computer generated, the background is all laserdisc video uh, scenes. Like I said from the movie, there are places where you actually have to navigate around the uh, 
obstacles that are actually in the movie. Like there's this one scene early on where you're coming up against this, up to this big ridge of ice and you have to actually position your uh, heads up display up on the screen to fly over the top of it. On the longer missions, there's a place like uh, on the 6,000 kilometer halfway through, and then there's two of them on the th- the 9,000 kilometer mission where you land, land your plane and you get bonus points for the fuel you have left over and the missiles you have left over. And then it shows you taking off, and then you actually have to position your, uh, raise your, um, your heads-up display up to actually take off from the runway, which um, it kind of throws you off because before you die, it'll actually show you some... Um, It'll actually show you video of the uh, controllers, you know, the way you should have moved, then followed by an explosion. A bit about the controllers. If you've ever played the Star Wars arcade game, you know how they kind of, like, tilt back and forth, and then you rotate it? Uses the same controllers. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's the same cabinet, obviously with different internals. You know what would have been really cool to see is a uh, a video arcade game that had the Laserdisc backgrounds but had vector graphics in the foreground. That, I think, would have been neat to see, but I don't know how they would have pulled that off. Oh, they could have done it with mirrors like they used to do with, like, Space Invaders back in the day, projected on the screen with mirror. That would have been interesting to see, but I digress. Now, every so often during your mission, you will see it'll actually tell you, ask you to select um, if you want to go into the sky or if you want to strafe the ground, basically. So you just select which one you want to do with using the controllers. You know, push forward for down, pull back for up, I believe. Since I'm using a mouse to do this, I can't remember what it is in the arcade. It's been decades since I've seen an arcade version of this. And... Um, you score more points if you do your missions toward the ground, but you save fuel if you do your missions in the air. And once you get to that screen where it lets you select sky or ground, it actually resets the radars, so you once again start out by shooting the red circles that appear on the screen. And once again, if you successfully do that to the next checkpoint, you'll score Buku bonus points. At the very end of the game, um, at the very end of your mission, if you get to the end successfully, it'll say, Ice up a cold one, I'm coming home, which I'm assuming is from the movie. I never saw the movie, unfortunately. And um, once again, it's supposed to sound like Clint Eastwood, but it doesn't. Not even remotely close, at least with the Star Wars arcade game. It did kind of almost sort of sound like Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, but this does not sound anything like Clint Eastwood's character. I'm sorry. Love Clint Eastwood, but I don't, you know, I don't like, uh, they, they could have done better with the sound effects. They could, I don't understand why they just didn't, didn't use the, uh, the actual sound from the movie. I mean, it's not like they didn't have the, the laser disc with sound on it the way it was. Is it possible that that might have been one of the reasons the game didn't get such good reviews, maybe? No, they said it was a technical achievement, but they just said it wasn't fun to play. Uh, One thing I do need to mention, and this threw me off whenever I was playing it originally, and then when I actually rediscovered it on MAME a few months ago, is is that your heads-up display thing, it looks like a, it's kind of like a circle, it's got like red lines, it's white with like red lines on the side, on the sides. I totally forgot that the uh, the amount of energy you have is a two-digit number on the top of your heads-up display. So if you're not paying attention to that, you're going to lose the game kind of fast. The only thing, the only really thing I don't like about the Firefox arcade game, and I really love this game, is it does seem to me that some of the deaths from navigation are pretty cheap. 
I'll, I'll truck some of that up to the nature of the fact that it's a laser video game. But, but yeah, I mean, unless you, you really know that you're supposed to go up and over some stuff or go down or whatever, uh, it, it's kind of, you, you, it's kind of, unless you know you're going to do that, you're going to crash. It's kind of like D- uh, Dragon's Lair where, you know, if you don't know the moves, you're going to, you know, lose pretty easily. Um, there's more freedom in a game like this. Yeah, I, I love this game, if you can't tell. It is a solid game, other than the, the fact, like I said, kind of cheap collisions sometimes. But um, if you ever see this in the arcade, which is highly unlikely, give it a whirl. Of uh, interesting thing, I was reading on the, uh, what is it, Arcade Museum now? It used to be the K-Law, the killer list of video games, but uh, it's like the go-to source resource. It's like the IMDB of arcade games. Like nothing it is. And... Uh, one thing they were saying about this is is that the problem with every laser video game ever came out is is that the laser players were just unreliable. Doesn't matter the game, they were pretty much all were unreliable in one way or another. And some of them had belts that would wear out after a while. In the case of the Firefox machine, some of the magnetic I think they're magnetic reed heads or something like that, would the magnets would actually fall off after a while. And the players are just horrible, unreliable because of that. However, it said that there was an easy fix, and it involved uh, crazy glue. So, easy, easy fix for that. But honestly, if I could ever get a hold of a cabinet, like if I had the money, I would do whatever I can to get one, get that game cabinet, because that was probably my favorite laser arcade game. I would rate this game highly. A little bit of trivia. It's probably going to be a long time before we get to this game, but the Atari arcade game Roadrunner, and I just found this out uh, like last month. I did not know this, but when it was originally in development, it was going to be Atari's second LaserDisc arcade game. All of the backgrounds were hand-drawn by Warner Brothers Studios. And whenever you killed Wild E. Coyote, the game would stop and it would show a clip from a classic Roadrunner cartoon with, uh, you know, Wile E. Coyote getting blown up and holding up one of his signs. Instead, you can see we just got a full Raster on, uh, game. You can see that on YouTube, actually. There's a lot of clips about that. Yes, that is up on YouTube. We'll, uh, we'll try to get a link to that up, the, up on the show notes as well. And I gotta say, I was really disappointed to not be able to get this thing running. Uh, I got the Chud file. I got all 12 million whatever uh, or 12 billion whatever bytes it was and the game would actually run but i would not actually get the video background it would just be the orange text on a black screen and it made it very hard to play <laughs> i was basically <laughs> shooting at nothing and nothing was shooting back at me the highest i was able to score was like 1500 and so those of you, I, I think, think you saw me post on it. That is exactly why I said, look, guys, I need to play this game by, uh, <laughs> by, X, by X night. It's because that was the night we're recording this. So, yeah. So, I don't know. The game, at first it complained about the Chud file until I actually realized, oh, yeah, I got to get the Chud file. And then when I did get the Chud file, it, it didn't complain, but it just wouldn't show me the, the video. Hmm. I'm still and, trying to think of why that, why that wouldn't work for you, but there is video of the gameplay up on YouTube as well. And we will link that up to there. It's worth the 11 gigabyte download. Yeah, when you said you wanted to cover Firefox for this, and I looked it up on YouTube, I was like, oh my god, this looks awesome. And I couldn't wait to play the, it. That one of the things they were saying is, the the re, one of the reasons they were saying it was a technical marvel, not so much the missiles that were shot toward you, but the enemy airplanes looked like they were 
pretty almost seamlessly integrated with the uh, the laser video footage. You really couldn't tell much difference between them. They were that good. I'm going to be honest with you. If back in the day I had seen this in the arcade, I would not have played it. And I'll tell you why. Back in the beginning of your description of this game, how much did you say it would cost? 50 cent. Those of you who heard our episode zero, you might remember, you know, back in the day when I was nine years old, you know, I was a little kid. I didn't have money. My my allowance for the arcade was one dollar four tokens mm-hmm. at, at uh, Aladdin's Castle. I was not going to blow two tokens on a single game. That's also why I never played Dragon's Lair. The th- and as I mentioned in the previous episode, um, I while I love Donkey Kong 3, the first time I played it, arcade in Canada, it was two tokens, and loved the game, but it was not a two-token game. Yeah, and I never found a video game where I was like, you know what, yeah, I'm going to pull, I can sacrifice two tokens on this. To this day, I will not pay 50 cents for a video game. I will, Yeah, to this day, 30 years later, I won't do that. Which is oh, why I'm I, glad Well, you, that, you don't really have to anymore. Yeah, because but, most arcades now, it's it's basically you pay one amount for for a certain amount of time. Usually it's like $15 for the whole day. Um, I know Yestercade's over in New Jersey. Um, I go there when uh, during my occasional trips to New Jersey. Uh, they charge by the hour, and I think every hour you're there, it's, it's a smaller charge and all that stuff. So you don't have to worry about plunking in so much money you know the only problem with that model is if you're very good at any particular games uh you're paying you might be paying 15 dollars to play one four hour game you know and oh and you know what i just realized is we didn't uh, mention the uh the common theme these two uh games have the thing they have in common yeah but yeah I'll tell you what i wanted the common theme to be originally you know when jim said hey let's do firefox i came back with okay um was there any any arcade game that was converted to the Atari Lynx that was not converted to any other system? Because I wanted the theme to be really weird. I wanted the theme to be web browsers. Firefox and Lynx. Uh... Those of you who, are, who somehow can see me, which is weird because this is an audio podcast, it means you're stalking me, you saw that I was doing a little stretching motion. Yeah, that is stretching. Although the theme that we came up on is kind of stretching the way it is. Sh- shall we, shall we announce it? That, the only problem with the theme is that it's so obvious that it's not obvious. True. So, but the, the why theme. Why don't you go ahead and announce the theme? Yes, these two games have names that are compound words: zookeeper, Firefox, and they both have some <laughs> I, kind of animal I, theme. In the uh, yeah, actually, there is that too. That's a secondary so. theme. Hey. So, uh, yes, compound word games, and pretty much wanted to just talk about Firefox, as I've never heard any other arcade podcast talk about this game. It is one of my all-time favorites. And there was actually a time, you were mentioning about how you would never play a game that was like 50 cents. There was a time where I was going around and playing all the Laserdisc games, because I just wanted to find one that was just, like, good. Uh, I would play Dragon's Lair, uh, Space Ace, uh, Begas Battle, which that game kind of (laughs) sucked, and uh, Cliffhanger, but I couldn't couldn't get into any of the games that were just total cartoons because I just could never remember the moves. I couldn't. I could not ever get past like the first screen of any of those. But then I happened upon. I said Vegas Battle, which is another one where it has a computerized or has the laserdisc background with computerized graphics in the front. Um, and then Firefox, which we just talked about. And then another favorite one, which I don't think is emulated at all, which I really want to find. And I really hope if. 
I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's not emulated. And it's Star Rider. It is a Williams Electronics game. And it has a Laserdisc background and very little in the way of computer graphics in the front. Basically, the cabinet it was like this plastic motorcycle. It didn't move at all, but it had the handles, and they would turn kind of like a motorcycle. And you were on these futuristic tracks that were animated on the um, on the Laserdisc. There was one of them where the track actually did a 90-degree turn straight up which was really cool. And uh, in the background of that same level floating by was the Sinistar at one point. And um, I really want to play this game again. So if anyone who is a dev for MAME is listening, please, please emulate this one. I want to play it badly. And knowing um, me, I probably would play it badly. Well, I wasn't that good at the game either. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, took, it, took, actually the, it took me a while to register that it actually had a 90-degree turn straight up. Uh, I thought you were just running into a wall. Nope, 90 degree straight up turn, which I thought was an interesting twist. This was another game that was a favorite of mine. And something that crossed my mind when I was thinking about uh, Firefox and other Laserdisc games was, yeah, and the thing is, like, this is something that I would normally say, you know what, if you really want a Firefox machine, make sure that you know somebody who can fix the thing, because... Laserdisc games, the problem with them is that they have moving parts, just like pinball machines, so they wear out easily. Now, something I was wondering is, is there a way to replace the Laserdisc with some kind of solid-state matter, like an SSD or some kind of a, uh, uh, basically something that doesn't have any moving parts? Incorporating modern technology into an old cabinet, kind of like how the Harmony cart in the Atari 2600 cartridge works, you know? uses SD cards for a 30-year-old, 35-year-old machine, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Why can they not do that with Laserdisc games? And just looking at something here, well, obviously you can emulate it on MAME, so I think doing something with like a Raspberry Pi or something in the cabinet should not be undoable. You might remember that Galloping Ghost had um, Dragon's Lair, but it was emulated through a PS3. And I think they just now got, or just recently got in Dragon's Layer 2 with the Laserdisc. And I think um, Doc said they also have a Dragon's, an actual Dragon's Layer machine. They're about to uh, move out onto the arcade field in the near, into the arcade floor in the, new, the near future. And that would be really cool. And over at uh, level 257, you heard us mention that a couple of times, folks. Uh, the uh, Pac-Man theme restaurant slash entertainment place uh, by the Woodfield Mall in Sh- or at the Woodfield Mall in Shaw. They have a combination Dragon's Lair, Dragon's Lair 2, but it is, at least according to one of the servers I was talking to there, it is emulated. I might uh, add one thing here. The Williams Laserdisc arcade game Star Rider, the video is up on YouTube. There's, uh, let me see here, the best one I can find is by Scottith Games, S-C-O-T. T-I-T-H games and uh, they have uh, two videos of uh, about nine minutes each of the gameplay so if you want to check that game out and apparently he act- th- this guy actually did a direct copy of the Laserdisc footage he has so um, yeah um, god I hope this is emulated I gotta double check because I want to play this game so badly make but- sure to check Daphne too that's the uh, Laserdisc emulator I'm pretty sure it's not on there. Um, I know and they Firefox didn't have, uh, isn't on there either. I checked. I was like, you know oh, what? Man. And I saw, and I could have sworn I saw somewhere that Daphne emulates it, but without the the the. Uh, I I wouldn't know how it would do that. But I could have sworn I read somewhere that it's emulated on Daphne. 
Don't well, ask it me. isn't for isn't for. Uh, I'll put it to you this way: it's not for Mac. It's not emulated for Mac users. I mean, yeah, I could use my my work computer, but I I, I hate that thing. I don't want to use it if I don't have to. So that you know what, this was kind of a nice little memory lane thing here uh, about Laserdisc games in general, but once again, if you could ever come across Firefox or if you have MAME on your PC and you can get it running, get the 11 gigabyte <coughs> CHD file and the ROM and play it, I think you're going to enjoy it. I really enjoyed it, but then again, I like Book Rogers and Bubbles. You know, no quarter <laughs> can kiss my butt. <laughs> no, and I kid. I like what they do. I like what they do. But, it's just that um, they're wrong about Buck Rogers and Bubbles. By the way, how do you recommend people play this game on MAME? Because, you know, I I found it, you know, when I tried playing it, the keyboard just was not cutting it and Mouse. I didn't take a joystick. Mouse. Unless and, you have uh, maybe, uh, maybe one a thing about controller. MAME with all of these games, and especially the, uh, the Atari games that have the... Uh, the, the Star Wars controller, which is this one, and then the three Star Wars games that the Atari had, is is that you're gonna probably want to turn, uh, you want to you're gonna probably want to reverse the uh, the up and down motion. Otherwise, when you move the mouse down, it's gonna go up, and you move it, and it's gonna up, and it's gonna go down. So you're gonna want to keep that in mind. And it has taken me a while to just play with the the general analog settings on MAME for the uh, for the for the mouse and that to get it to right to where I want but you'll need to putz with that with any of those sorts of games the trackball or the steering wheel or what have you but it's well worth it so I suggest that uh, people do it now well that is a fun fun game but have you, you know um, have you recorded any of your scores for uh, no I have not but I the last one I did it was like about 55,000 points and I believe that was on the medium level, and no, I did not complete the trip. Because I had one of those crashes that was seemed to be a little cheap. But yeah, even though we're going to be moving on to, uh, to uh, two more games for the next episode, I still really want to play this game sometime. So if uh, anybody has any ideas as to how to get this thing fully working in MAME, so I don't just get a black screen. You you guys know where to reach me. Uh, we have information at the end of our show uh, every time, how you can reach us. Um, so any help I would love. I would absolutely love. Short of trying it on my work I've got computer. it working on my laptop, so I actually don't have it on my desktop computer. i got it working on my laptop, so next time we get together, I'll haul that along and we can play it. So do you have anything further to add about Firefox? Other than play, other than the words "play it" and "play it" as soon as you can. No. Okay, and that's all for me as well. So um, I guess um, this is great. Great. Game. Smell you later. Don't we have to announce the games that we're going to do next week? And what games are we going to do next week, there, James? I don't know because we haven't talked about it. <laughs> Okay, so um, so for next week's show, for the next episode, we're doing our first clip show. Yay! We're going to have highlights of Yay. all our classic moments from all of our other episodes. And so, why it seems like just yesterday I was down at the old arcade putting my quarters in a machine, and there's that sound effect that they make when they're going into flashback mode. And well, I have just captured the essence of different strokes from back in the day. But yes, uh, so we are going to do another show next week, and. Um, and what game are you oh, going so to we, choose? Oh, so we're not doing a clip show. Okay. Um, no, we're well, not you know doing what? clips. You know what? Uh, I'm going to choose um, Zaxxon. Mm, excellent choice. And I think I will choose Mortal Kombat. And I'm going to give the theme away right now. Uh, they're games that have vowels in the name. 
So just remember Damn that. You. That's our theme. Great. Oh, shoot. Now Did our I give that away? can't guess. We'll have to think of a second theme then. All right, yeah, let's think of a, a, a second theme. And, uh, yeah, we'll let you know next time. And, uh, by the way, we said next week, I mean, we try to do these things every week. Our schedule was a little bit off this week, so we were releasing an episode a little bit later than we thought we would. Now, having said that, just like anybody else, Jim and I both have lives. We both have families. We both had, in my case, I have two jobs to balance. So, you know, and if things go crazily, then we're going to be crazy. And if we're crazy, then all of you are crazy. And if... All all of you like nobody's crazy because we're all normal so if if we don't get another episode out every week on the dot on the same day um well you can return the tough. podcast for a full refund yeah, <laughs> return I, unused portion of podcast for a full refund having said that i guess uh, we will be back next time with zaxxon mortal Kombat, and you Ooh, i'm so interested in the you part as am i so uh, anyway uh, for the pie factory but, pot i think this is the but, first yeah. time we're actually saying the name of the show oh, you're going all r2d2 on me yeah so hey uh th- so anyway for the pie factory podcast uh this is uh sean and that yeah. is uh me oh i'm you want my name uh jimmy g jimmy g and johnny c here at the pie factory spinning the hits thank you for listening Boy, that everybody Jack daniels goes down smooth see you all next time this episode of the pie factory podcast was edited and produced by hyde st pierre Opening and closing theme is The Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Jim and Sean can be contacted on Facebook via the Pie Factory podcast page, over email at piefactory at fab4it.com, or over Twitter at piefactorypfp. Visit the Pie Factory podcast on the web via Flark at flark.it slash piefactory.